You are live with Get Connected. Mike Eggerbo here with John Beeler. We are Canada's number one tech radio show, all the way from Vancouver to Toronto and everywhere in between. We have a great program today. We're going to be talking about open banking. And I know banking doesn't sound exciting, but it's an actually very interesting subject. You know, we're getting more digitized now, John. Everything's digital, right? So it's important that all these banks and these banking apps, and there's like literally hundreds of banking apps coming out every month now, they all need to be able to talk to each other. So we're going to learn how that all fits together and how it keeps your information private from getting in the wrong hands. It also makes life much easier. Yeah, like when you're filling out applications for loans and things like that. Remember the old days? You'd have to wait like a month. Well, yeah, you had to go to the bank. And get a letter a month later. Yeah. But now because of this technology, because everyone's talking together as far as the digital side, they can make it like instantaneous, which I think is really cool. So we're going to help try to demystify that. Podcasting. I mean, it's been around for many years now. We even podcast this radio show. If you've been thinking about getting into podcasting, or maybe you got your own, we've got a great guest on the line that will give us a few pointers on how to market it better, a few tips and tricks. And we've got our holiday gift guide, another one for home technology. Everything uh, from smart home gear to robots to pet tech, which I know you're big, <laughs> big on. Okay, let's jump into some of the tech news uh, this week, John. Uh, this was interesting. You know, pretty contentious when it comes to vaccinations for some people. Google is mandating that all their employees be vaccinated by, I believe, February of 2022. And if they don't comply, they're fired. No jab, no job. No jab, no job. And so it's not like an instantaneous firing. If they can't show proof by, uh, I forget what date in February, they're off 30 days on paid leave. After that, if they still can't, six months of unpaid leave. And if they can't show vaccination or, a, you know, why they should be exempt, right? they're fired. We're seeing this on a lot of other sectors too, not just the tech sector. As, as we come back, you know, the, the big thing about the tech sector is that a lot of jobs that used to be only in the office have, have proven that they can do them remotely. Yeah. And so now the, these offices want to come back online and these employees are, are faced with this dilemma. And so they're saying that even testing won't be an alternative solution because some places say that if you get tested regularly, I think like, is it the Vancouver police? That's one of the options here in British Columbia. Yeah. If they get rapid tests a it, few days a week or something. It's interesting. The Vancouver police can do that, but the RCMP have the same rule. Yeah. You have to be vaccinated or you're, you're done. Yeah. So uh, it's an interesting move on Google's part. Uh, you know, they're basically saying it's for the safety of their overall workforce. And I think we'll see that with uh, more organizations uh, as we uh, go along here. Uh, this is an interesting th thing, John. Uh, Toyota owners will have to pay $8 a month, eight bucks a month to keep using their key fob for remote starting. So you know your wireless key. Yeah. So some Toyotas, you can actually start the car. Right. But if you want that feature, you're paying eight bucks a month. It's not even a, like a, a smarter connected feature though. Like even if you don't use any other feature other than that, you still have to pay eight bucks. How would you feel if you had a Toyota and then you had to pay for that? I would be very upset. Like 
Do you remember when BMW wanted to charge people to use CarPlay? No. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that's the radio yeah. entertainment system in BMW cars. Right. So they'd have basic access to like radio and... But if you wanted to use CarPlay, like Apple CarPlay, which is gives you so many more features, right? You had to pay. Yeah. Whereas no other car or car stereo manufacturer made you do that. Yeah, but I think they, they backpedaled pretty quickly though because of the outrage. <laughs> like you're already paying a fortune for a BMW, and they're going to nickel and dime you for a few bucks a month. Well, it's like staying at a premium hotel that charges you for Wi-Fi. So my Tesla, it charges me fifteen bucks a month, or thirteen or fifteen bucks for the premium connectivity package. Right. Uh, but I get an enhanced satellite view, like an overhead satellite view, but I also get the internet. So if I'm parked, I can watch Netflix and web browse. And your carpool, carpool karaoke. And my carpool karaoke. And I can access Spotify. I still have to have a Spotify subscription, but I'm and, able to stream it. And a Netflix subscription. Yes, of course. Yeah. So... I'm kind of okay with that. Well, you're basically paying for your internet connectivity. Yeah, it's like but, an internet plan for my car. Right. But Toyota's not doing that. No, they're just giving you the ability to use this feature. I don't know. Nickel and diming for eight bucks a month. Like, I wonder how much that adds to their bottom line. Well, the, the thing is, this doesn't even use the internet to do remote start. You still have to be within 50 feet of the car. <laughs> like my car, my yeah. Kia, I have an app. I can, I can, I can warm it up. I can cool it off. Like I can do all the climate stuff remotely over the internet because it's got yeah. a modem. Yeah. And I don't pay for that feature. See, that's cool. Same with my Tesla. Like yeah. I don't have to have the premium connectivity yeah. package. Yeah. I mean, it's handy in the wintertime, isn't it? Yeah, heated seats. Yeah. Before you even get in the car. I know this morning it was cold. Yeah. And so I just, I went into my app and heated everything up and it was, I was good to go. Okay. So do you remember that, that CEO from better.com that fired 900 people over a Zoom call? <laughs> yes. Who, who will go down in history as... The worst CEO ever? Yeah, like a jerk. He's taking some time off. <laughs> <laughs> like, who thought that was a good idea? Do, is there no one around him saying, dude, you can't do that? Well, maybe they're all at best.com because this is just better.com. <laughs> do you think he'll last? No. 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 Like, if I was the board... Well, there, he clearly he's going to be tanking the relationship or the the any any positive the goodwill of the company exactly, because um, especially doing it so close to Christmas and doing it in such a callous way. Because I also heard that he was also slagging the nine hundred people he just fired on the one Zoom call when he was on the call with the people that he called the survivors. It's like it's not a game show. Get yeah, yeah. The board should yeah do their job on that okay you are listening to get connected canada's favorite tech show we still have a lot to talk about and we've got a great holiday gift guide john earbuds these are great little stocking stuffers and you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars anymore i mean there's ones under 100 there's earbuds under 50 dollars that do a fantastic job that's on the app show was oh, it on the app show yeah oh whoops okay you could tune in tomorrow to the <laughs> to the app show i'm looking at the wrong rundown uh but we do have a cool stuff. We've got the gift guide for home tech. That's right. Yes. So robots and pet tech. So good preview. Good preview. And if you're excited about earbuds, tune in tomorrow for the app show. Anyway, when we come back from the break, open banking. How safe is your financial information? Stay tuned. 
You are back with the program. Mike and John here. Well, we do live in a digital age now, John. We sure do. Everything is uh, digitized and uh, banking would be a huge thing. I mean, it's so amazing how far we've come. Like I remember, do you remember the old days when you needed money? What did you have to do? You had to go somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> you had to go to the bank like a sucker, line up. You had to fill out a form and go to the, the teller. And then credit, remember bank cards came out and credit cards. I mean, those were amazing. Like when bank cards came out, but you could only use it at, the, at your bank's bank machine. <laughs> That's right. And then I remember in high school, there was this, you know, we had a bank guy come into our, our um, business class and he's like, one day you'll be able to use your bank card in any bank machine. <laughs> and we thought, no, no, you know. I'm talking crazy. Talking crazy. Well, we're going to talk more about where finance and banking is going. We've got a great guest on the line. His name is uh, Craig Rafe. He's a, a VP of Core Products and Open Banking at MasterCard in Canada. And we're going to talk about open banking, that whole concept. Craig, thanks for joining us. Hey, Mike. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So I'm hearing more and more about open banking. Can you explain to our listeners what that means? Absolutely. Uh Open banking, if you think about it at its core, really think about it as, as technology that allows consumers as well as businesses to securely share their own data. And this is important. They're sh- sharing their own banking data it's with financial institutions, fintechs, other participants. The key on the sharing of data, and this is a vitally important per- point, it's all about user permission. So it's you saying, I want to, and I'm willing to share this data with this third party. Think about it like this. Think about your phone. You're going to say, yes, I will give permission for my, my camera on my phone to be able to share it with an app for me to take a pic- picture, be a selfie, QR code, et cetera. And so open banking does kind of the same thing? Yeah. So it's really the, the concept is how does a consumer and small business unlock the potential of their own financial data? So I have my data, usually it's sitting with a financial institution or a couple of financial institutions. How do I take that back and control it myself and able to share it? And really, if you think about it from a consumer perspective and a small business perspective, what can I do with that? What does, what's the value? Great to be able to share, but what's that value? So think about what we can do when you have that data, it's going to enable parties out there to actually build greater products. They have the data, they can build greater products. If I'm applying for a loan, a mortgage, a new card, streamlining the process of actually being able to, to get that application quickly through. And then and a very important one for Canadians is certainly something that we've seen through COVID, what it will certainly do is improving credit worthiness for consumers and small businesses. And how does it do that? So really from a, uh, from a data perspective, the, when we think about who's the users of the data, I am, I am a consumer and small business of providing this data. Then it's the users that are out there. So we think about big, big financial institutions, fintechs, other parties out there. They have your data. They can make better decisions with that data. We at MasterCard, uh, back last year, we purchased a global uh, company called Finicity plays in open banking. We're bringing them to Canada in, uh, in 2022. And what they do is we're able to take that data and share it with, with financial institutions, again, fintechs, other parties out there. They can take the data, they use that data to actually power up, produce new products, produce new services, streamline. I know I am Craig Rafe, 
I can actually get that mortgage application through. I'm not doing a manual check in the back end and saying, hmm, is this account number correct? Is this Craig? How do I actually say this is him? Streamline that, that solution. And then it's all about innovation. The beauty of having the data out there, you have all these various parties out there, fintechs as we in an industry broadly call them. When you have access, this data is available that consumers and small businesses are willing to share. They can then create products and services and solutions out there that meet the needs of these target segments. So when we're looking at all these different types of new financial apps coming out, that's where the whole open banking thing takes place. Uh, just having a secure way, a trustworthy way to, to share that information between like the banks uh, and, and these financial apps and fin- financial tech companies. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. That's certainly, that's the one way. So it's the ease of the transport of the, the data with that data, with that information, you can. That's where these fintechs and solution providers are really being able to create much more innovative, innovative products and solutions and services. So, is that something also like if I want to add my credit card to my Apple Watch, for example, to be able to pay for something with my wearable? Is this where Open Banking comes in to make that process very seamless and like almost like a checkbox? Not necessarily with that. That's one that we've already got within our, our I guess, solution set right now. But let's let's go and think about solutions uh, above and, and beyond with, with that. So think about, let's take the step, step back. How do I actually get uh, that credit card into my wallet in the first place? How do I actually get apply for that, that uh, credit card? I'm making that application. Again, the data is out there. It's my data. And how do I actually pull that and I can show my credit worthiness? So, you know, what does my cash flow look like? So information that wouldn't be there before. I can make a credit decision that I wouldn't necessarily be made before at that at that point before. Have you looked into like, you know, obviously people as, as we're getting more digitized, Craig, uh, you know, our data is like it's important. And, you know, I think a lot of us are concerned about our privacy. Uh, a lot of it's financial and, and, and what have you like. Do you find Canadians trust these systems, this new type of open banking? Uh, absolutely. So we just uh, completed a, uh, a study, and these are one of the big things that we were looking at there was asking them specifically about trust really at the at the forefront and about their willingness to share their personal financial data. What, what we saw from there um, was ca- Canadians are already connecting their data. They're already using it right now, but they're looking for more. The trust factor is, is, is definitely there in place. A couple of the big ones that we saw from the research, uh, the, what we call is the, you know, the accelerated shift to digital. We've all heard about it through the times of COVID that you know, the speed of digitization and willingness for consumers and businesses to go online, be comfortable with digital, digital tools and services has accelerated. We see that uh, a couple of the big emerging use cases that we, we were seeing buying and selling cryptocurrency, 54% using it. Wow. We looked at securing a refinancing alone, which is the big one. You guys talked off the top, the ability, the need to go into an actual bank branch, that needed to be done online. 31% were saying that. We're also seeing that there was a much bigger willingness of consumers and small businesses to connect their financial accounts. I think you know, upwards of 70% were willing to connect their financial accounts. And then the last point and the key one there is about a trust in FinTech. And fintech is, is really, we think about it broadly, it's, it's thinking about digitization and, and trust in terms of how you have your manager finances digitally. And it could be with FIs, it could be with you know, smaller financial institutions. Of those surveyed, about 55% of them very confident using technology to manage their money. 
it's already there. Consumers and small businesses, they're, they're already happy to do it. They just are looking for more solutions and more ways to do it. Do you find, like you did these studies, um, do you find younger people are more open to this compared to older generations? Yeah, I mean, as you as you would expect, um, you know, we broadly use the term millennials, but let's just let's just go on younger younger demographics. Absolutely, there there's a more it's, it's a greater willingness for the younger demographics. They're more comfortable doing it. They're more comfortable in a digital environment. But when we do look across demographics, there there certainly is a willingness to to try. We just need to be in a situation that we're providing the right as an industry the right services and solutions for all age demographics. And it's not one size fits all. There's different different uh, solutions and services across all. And we need to be, you know, as an industry, think about what you're going to do and offer to a younger demographic is not obviously going to be the same to an elder demographic. We're talking with Craig Rafe. He's the vice president of core products and open banking over at MasterCard in Canada. All about open banking. Craig, is there somewhere people could go to, to learn more about this? Absolutely. You can visit our website, mastercard.ca, or you can follow us on Twitter at mastercardca, uh, or uh, go take a look at our, our LinkedIn page, which is at MasterCard. Thanks for joining us today, Craig. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, John. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the program, Mike and John here. Well, John, I, I've been doing radio, I think, 25 years now probably more. Uh, our radio show is also podcast as well. Uh, we've been doing great with the broadcast side. We're across Canada. Podcasts, we're growing, both uh, the Get Connected show and the app show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a great guest on the line. He's been doing podcasting for you know 17 plus years himself. His name uh, is Todd Cochran, podcasting genius. Thanks for joining us, Todd. I don't know if I'd call myself a genius, but uh, thanks for the compliment. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, so you have a few podcasts going. Can you tell our listeners which ones you have? Yeah, I've got the New Media Show at newmediashow.com. I've got a tech show called Geek News Central at geeknewscentral.com. And I do a company show for my company, Blueberry Podcasting, at podcastinsider.com. What got you podcasting in the first place? It's just, you know, one of those things that kind of happens. I was at the time laid up from an accident I'd had and uh, was spending time in Texas doing contract enforcement for the u.s government was stuck in a hotel room because of a clamshell in august and (laughs) the heat wave of texas and uh heard about podcasting and i like to talk so i started a show as a failed blogger but uh, fortunately (laughs) become a semi-successful podcaster (laughs) yeah i guess one uh one door closes and another another window opens so you've got a few podcasts going what are some essentials that you could tell our listeners to help promote their budding podcasts and and we're going to take some, we're going to take some notes here too. Sure, you know the uh, the main thing I get asked all the time about from podcasts how do I grow my show? It's it's really a, a series of different elements. And number one, you got to have a place to send them. You, know, you got to have a home. You got to have a home for that show, someplace that is yours. I think that's really important because number one, it helps uh, build your brand, and number two, uh, you can use it to uh, allow that uh, big uh, company called Google to index you and help your show be found. Of course, uh, another is consistency. Uh, putting out a show on a regular basis, just like, like you two do. And I think probably the most important thing, no matter what, is superior, consistent content and being passionate about what you do. There's a lot of folks now, they're chasing topics and they're chasing a category because they think that's the hottest thing. Well, they're really not experts in that and those shows are destined to fail, but 
I think the real key is consistency. And, and of course, there's, there's lots of things you do, social promotion and all that, but it all really ends up boiling down to be a lot about the content. It, it really does. I think that's a great point. What was your first podcast? Uh, my first podcast was, a, was the tech show, and I was a big techie. I worked in aviation at the time. And uh, it was really uh, following what was going on in the tech world. So I did a tech news show. And really, it was about giving my opinion about what was going on in the world of tech. So an easy topic to cover because there's something new every day, even to this day. So, um, you know, that's, that's one approach. But, you know, a lot of folks do business interview shows or self-improvement shows. It, you know, runs the gamut these days. Do you, do you think you need to have interviews in, in your podcast? Well, I've done both. I've done a solo show for over 1,500 episodes, and then I've done another show where I've got a co-host, and then I supplement sometimes with interviews, interview people in the tech space and, and add that as supplementary content outside of the normal show, which seems to do very well in growing the audience as well. So it's not, well, I have this single path, the regular consistent content. I have this additive stuff that I bring to the table from time to time. I find for our radio shows, we have it like kind of a set format. You know, we have, uh, you know, typically about five segments in the show. Uh, you know, first segment's the news, and then, you know, we go off into different topics. Do you advise people to kind of keep their shows organized and consistent? Oh, I think it's very important. And you are creatures of habits. People listen to your show, they know what's coming next, usually, if they've been listening for a while. And the same thing with a podcast. If you have it segmented out, and it doesn't have to be regimented, but I very rarely uh, differ from my segment. If I do, I only change one thing at a time and see how the audience handles it. So it's just a you know basic outline of how the format and, and the flow of the show is going to go. You mentioned consistency as well in putting uh, the podcasts out. You know, like how often should someone do a podcast? Is it important like to have high frequency or just have regular frequency? I think if you're really looking to grow, and we see this from my company standpoint, looking at statistics from over 100,000 shows, shows that consistently put out an episode at least once a week grow twice as fast as shows that are not weekly. So I think it's important to be in a listener's ear because what it really does is it builds you into their life. They will listen to it at a specific time every week. So if you're not there, they're going to fill that with something else and maybe they'll forget about you the following week so definitely weekly at a, at a minimum for someone that wants to grow can you actually make a living doing it uh for many many years uh, my sponsor my show uh, paid my living and i was living in hawaii and Hawaii's not a cheap place to live uh so I, I did this for a number of years purely on sponsorship money um i took a salary with my company later on but in the beginning, the boss was the last one to get paid. But I, I will say for 97% of podcasters, you're, you're not going to make a, a, a working living. You're going to make, uh, take, take the significant other or partner to, uh, to dinner, maybe a car payment money. If you're really lucky, you'll have house payment money. And then you get into the, you know, the top 3% or so of shows out there. You definitely have life-changing quit-your-job money. But that's, again, that's pretty rare. But most people that are doing podcasts today, less than 50, well, about 50% of them don't care about the money. They, they're looking at it from different angles. It's a business funnel or kind of consultation. There's different goals for every person that's creating a show. I'm sorry, John. I was going to ask you, Todd, um, a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on things like 
the the number of views or listens that my podcast gets as a measurement of success and I always try to tell people don't worry about the numbers until you have a, a, an actual audience right what's your thoughts on that yeah I think that's very true and I, I I'm a numbers guy really I was I was I watch my numbers every day and I know a lot of people still do that are new in this space but I often say if you're brand new to a microphone and brand new to creating content, it's going to take you a little while to find your voice and to get your, your battle rhythm pacing down and, and build that, you know, build engagement in a show. Sure, there's people that go to the top of the charts immediately with success, and the, but those are rare. But I think really what you do is focus on the content. I always tell people this is a, this is a marathon. It's not a race. If, you, if you're not willing to put in a couple of years worth of work to build an audience, then maybe podcasting is not for you. The other question I get asked a lot is, oh, I should have a bunch of episodes under my belt before I even launch my podcast. What's your thoughts on that? I, I think that you should have a few, not a lot. And by a few, two or three, uh, that goes against some folks' conditional w- wisdom. But what's going to happen is you're going to get immediate feedback on that show and uh, it may change. So if you've already recorded seven episodes and you're getting feedback, hey, we don't like this or don't like that, what are you going to do with those other episodes? So I don't believe in recording a lot. Now, when you're in in full production and you are, let's say Christmas and New Year's is coming up, you're going to want to have a couple in the can ahead. You know, that. but again, that's after you've been podcasting for a while. But I think in those early days, you shouldn't go too far ahead of, of what your release schedule is. I, I guess that also depends on the content that you're doing as well. Like it's we do a lot, true, yeah. of, we do a lot of tech news, and it you know it's hard for us to pre-record our show too far in advance because mm-hmm. things change in the tech world. So just yeah, a little that, bit, that, yeah. That, that content really kind of burns about 96 hours. A lot of it, a lot of it's old news very quickly. I got to ask you, Todd. Uh, and again, we're talking uh, with uh, Todd. He is a podcasting expert. Been doing it for over 17 uh, years. Uh, you talked about starting out your podcast is not a race it's a marathon like how long did it take you before you thought hey i got something here i could make some money and i i I really like this as part of my life well you know it's kind of funny because i was doing this in texas i was living in hawaii i came home and she basically well my wife said hey (laughs) what's this and she said you're on the clock you got two years to figure this out to make money this is another money pit it's going to be because in early days of podcasting it really was expensive to do it now it costs literally almost nothing so for me, I had a goal from the very, very beginning being monetized. And I was very fortunate. Started the show in October, had a book deal by December, had a sponsor by June of 2005. So really, in less than a year, I accomplished all the goals to be to be monetized. But I think it's really, you have to really set a plan and, and, and work at it hard. This is great creating content. It's very, very challenging. So, you know, you just got to put the time in and... Uh, as I as the people in Hawaii say, you grind. You got to grind through it, and uh, I really think that's true. We're talking with Todd Cochran, a podcasting expert. Todd, I, I want to thank you for joining us on the show, and I'm sure we're going to have you on again to get more tips from you. Uh, where can people find out more information about you and and all your podcasting goodness? Yeah, it's real simple. Just search for me uh, on the on the Google Todd Cochran. <laughs> And uh, you'll find a full stack of stuff for me. But for the company, come over to Blueberry Podcasting. It's at blueberry.com. Blueberry without the E's. As I told you earlier, we couldn't afford the E's. So, uh, yeah, definitely check us out there. Maybe we'll uh, lend you some from Canada. Thanks for joining us, Todd. 
Thank you so much. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Don't forget to enter our contest. It's the Philip Hue Smart Lighting Contest this month, giving away three prize packs worth over a thousand bucks. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And if you want to enter, it's simple. You go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. John, I want to talk uh, holiday gift guide and kind of smart home tech or home tech. Smarter home tech. Smarter home tech. Uh, I'm going to maybe throw out a few of the things that, uh, you know, I always have on my list. I think a big thing for me, especially around the holiday season, and, you know, the prices are usually good, are smart vacuums. They have come such a long way now. And I've got, I think, three. You've got an army. I've got an army of, <laughs> of Roombas. I have to say the Roombas are my favorite yeah. out there. Uh, they're made by the iRobot uh, folks, and they just keep getting better and better. And they have ones now that actually have little docking stations that have a canister built in. So once the robot is finished vacuuming your floor, it goes back to the automatic dirt disposal system. I love that name. It's like a Star Wars name uh, that you find in the Death Star or something. And it just sucks all the stuff out of the vacuum and into an old-fashioned vacuum bag, actually. <laughs> but then you don't have to keep emptying the robot. Is there another robot to empty that bag? Yeah, it's me. Okay. It's it's a human. Okay. Carbon-based life form. Uh, but you know what? You don't have to do it for weeks and weeks, Yeah. depending how how bad it is. But I've got like three dogs in my house right now because we're looking after an extra one, a border collie. There's, that's a lot of hair, John. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the robot vacuums are excellent. They are excellent. You just, you program them, or you can even use Alexa or uh, your Google voice assistant to, to tell it to go vacuum. They're, they're smart enough to actually go around the obstacles. The newest one uh, actually has automatic poop detection as well. So it will not uh, go over cords or socks or poop. Perfect. I think they have like a poop guarantee. Like they'll replace it if it does run over poop. That's how, how confident they are about it. Anything on your, on your list of smart home tech? Um, well, the, the one that I got, uh, in the past year, that's really been life changing for me and kind of along the same lines as the iRobot. It, it's, it's not smart per se, but you can get ones that do more than this particular one. I got the pet safe scoop free self-cleaning litter box for my cat. Oh, those are good. So yeah, we've, we've done those on global TV before. Yeah. And if you have a cat or multiple cats, yeah. Your, the bane of your existence is to chain, clean up the litter box. Yeah. This is a robot that basically turns your litter box into a Zen garden because it, it literally rakes the, the bad stuff away. Yeah. It makes a nice clean. And it knows because there's like a sensor in there. There's a sensor. So your pet goes in there, does their business, and then 20 minutes later, it rakes it clean. And they come back next time and it's like it's a brand new, you just, just cleaned everything. They use uh, a special... Um, smell and liquid absorbing material as the litter itself yeah. it's not like the sand there's no dust or anything like that it's like magic litter it's yeah it's it's blue, blue crystals yeah and it uh it is amazing because you can go for like a month you can even push it to like a month and a half before you replace the the main tray the tray yeah and then you just go to the pet store or order online a new yeah. tray yeah super easy and it also keeps track of any kind of clogs or issues, and it makes it really easy for you to know if your pet's doing everything okay. That is awesome. I think also on my list uh, that's been a must-have for me is a smart door lock. Yeah. That, uh, it's just changed my life. And, you know, there's a lot of great ones out there. Uh, I've tried uh, the Wiser ones. I know you have a Yale 
Lock? Uh, no, I have a Schlag right oh, now. Oh, Schlag, yeah. yeah. Um, and Yuffie, they've got a great one too. I like the Yuffie one, and I'll tell you why. It's got the keypad on there. Yeah. But it also has a fingerprint scanner on it as well. Right. That's cool. My wiser one right now that I use, I love it. Don't get me wrong. But it's a keypad, so I got to... Well, I have my Schlag hooked up to my Alexa. Yeah. And so I can actually unlock the door from my car as I'm driving up to my house. Oh, see, that's cool. Yeah. That is cool. But, you know, they're only, you know, a couple hundred bucks, depending what model. You can probably even get them cheaper. Well, Boxing Day is not very far away. Yeah. But I've smart locked all the the doors in my home now. And it's just great because at night, because my wife is rightfully so paranoid that I forget to lock the doors. Yeah. Which I tell her I don't, but I do. Yeah. Hopefully she's not listening. But now, because I have um, the wire, it's all Wiser locks. Yeah. I got them all at Home Depot. Depot, they've got a great selection there. I can just go in the app and check. Yeah. Or I can set up automatic lock. Like after a minute or two minutes or five minutes, they just all automatically lock. Or I can use my voice at night. Yeah. Just tell Google, lock all the doors. So I, I again, on my Amazon smart device, I won't say her name again, um, I have a routine. When I go to bed, I said, her name bedtime yeah she turns off all the lights in the living room turns on the bedroom lights locks the front door if, even if i already locked it yeah. j- just to make sure it's locked so you can just easily add these kind of functionalities to it and you don't have to think about it anymore brilliant eh? Yeah. and if i had to pick another thing just to go in conjunction with that smart lock is uh, a video doorbell yeah i mean you can get them under like ring amazon ring makes them for under 100 bucks now yeah if you can if you can wire it doesn't need to be on a battery yeah you can get them for like 60 or 70 dollars now it's stupid cheap and they work like a hot damn well and they added a new feature recently too which is really cool you can actually program it so that it after someone rings the doorbell say a courier yeah it'll say you can actually give them instructions to do what to do with the package yeah like leave it there please or put it around the back or what have you yeah which is is great okay we're gonna have a Another break. When we come back, we're going to give you more details about the contest. It's awesome. We're giving away $1,000 worth of smart lighting from Philips Hue. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. We're giving away over $1,000 of smart lighting. This is great stuff from Philips Hue. They're probably one of the best companies for that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's just bulletproof. Works with every major voice assistant, Android, iOS, your computer, and pretty simple to set up and they've got so many different types for indoor outdoor and like i said we're giving away three prize packs over a thousand dollars worth and to enter to win you go to our website getconnectedmedia.com but there's extra ways john the best way is to be a subscriber to our newsletter because we have codes in the newsletter so if you have the most recent newsletter check in there because there's a secret code that will give you additional entries if you put that in again getconnectedmedia.com and don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. We've got a lot of great videos up there right now, a lot of how-to videos and holiday gift guides if you want some ideas. And we'd love it if you subscribed. Please, please subscribe. I want to thank John and Christine and the rest of the folks that helped put the show together. We'll see you again next time.